Hey there. My name is Aubrey Henderson. I'm a self-worth coach and professional calm in the chaos. I believe that when you're feeling stuck in your life and you can't decide on the next right step, that getting some perspective or a pep talk from someone outside of your shoes can be an absolute game changer. This podcast is that pep talk. Every week, I'll share my responses to listener questions, real life coaching sessions, and interviews about topics that you can connect with and learn from. All things that will help you to reconnect with your own self-worth and inner goodness and vision for your life so you can feel great and get shit done. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey y'all. So I am super excited for today's episode. I have my wife, Laura, joining me for a conversation about the bad relationships of reality dating and romance shows, uh, which she affectionately refers to as love competition shows. So this is one of our favorite you know, things to do in our free time is watch shows like this. So um, really excited for you to hear this conversation and let me know what you think. I really, really hope you enjoy. Just a quick heads up that this episode does contain some spoilers for um, the most recent season of Are You The One? And also for a couple of recent seasons of the Bachelorette, The Bachelor, The Bachelor in Paradise, that whole franchise. Um, nothing to do with any seasons that are currently airing, um, all seasons that have finished airing, but just in case you're going back and watching a season and don't want it spoiled for you, um, we do spoil some of that in uh, this episode. So just a fair warning. Okay, so for people who are listening to this who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? I'm Laura Henderson. I'm your wife. <laughs> Is there anything else that's important? <laughs> There's so much more that's important. They People follow you to get to know me. Is that how that works? I mean, I think that is literally. What does your Instagram bio say? Something about follow me for dog content, follow you for everything else. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Um. So... I mean, as you know, we're we're here to talk about trashy reality television. Yes. And the bad relationship um, habits and tendencies that we often see show up in these contexts. Mm, mm. So we had, and I showed this to you, but a listener um, in response to the other night, um, we, in my Instagram story, did a little hot take moment about our newest obsession, which is a show called Temptation Island. Temptation Island. Um, <laughs> this, every time we talk about a show, can you please like do like say the name of the show? The name of the show. <laughs> In a dramatic voiceover fashion. Sure. Um, <clears throat> but so we were talking about Temptation Island in my Instagram story, kind of just like a random like us on the couch moment. And somebody who is a regular listener and has been a contributor to the podcast before, sent a DM and said, 
can you please do a podcast episode about bad relationships of reality TV? Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was just a fucking awesome idea. Mm-hmm. So that is what we're here to talk about. I just feel like from the top, we have to highlight that Tyler C. from The Bachelor has a hot bod. So you know what's really funny is like I... So then I told folks in my Instagram story the following day that we were going to do this. Mm -hmm. And somebody sent that. I said, like, you know, I sourced questions of, like, what do you all want us to talk about? What questions do you want us to answer? And I think someone literally just said, Tyler C. with the hot bod. Like, not a question about. Tyler C. has a hot bod. That's it. That's all you need to know about reality television. So, So, one, I feel like if you're not into reality romance television that some of this shit is just gonna is just not gonna land for you or make any fucking sense and so I'm sorry about that but I also imagine you have decided to listen to this because you might have some connection or interest but for anybody who's like who is Tyler C Tyler C was you should google Tyler C the bachelorette Uh that's what you should google the bachelorette oh god please don't do this for every (laughs) single one you asked me to. <laughs> I'm changing my mind. So, but Tyler C is, and you're you're also hearing from you know two very queer women mm-hmm. with either you know a strong preference for ladies or complete preference for ladies, and yet we still are able to deeply acknowledge. I mean, they're just our objective norms of beauty in our culture, and so even though I don't want to see male genitalia i can identify who has a hot bod that's all i'm saying that's real that's real so anyway so that's that about tyler c i mean so laura tell tell our listeners a little bit about how i don't want to i don't want to lead you in my question but about how you have dragged me into (laughs) don't Play the victim in this situation, babe, okay? How you have, how our tastes have merged together for us to enjoy reality romance television. And I mean, I think this is like, this is interesting, right? I keep saying reality TV, but this is truly a subset because it's like reality TV in like simulated romantic scenarios that is what we're talking about right now. It's not all reality no, television. No, we're only talking about love competitions. Uh. That's the genre. Love competitions. Love competitions. God. Yeah. I mean, Temptation Island isn't a competition technically because there's no cash prize at the end, which is a distinction we should talk about as we get deeper. Um, yeah. But, yeah, they're, they're really love competitions. And I've been watching uh, the Bachelor franchise for many years. I mean, as a young high schooler who was supposedly straight, that's what you did, right? You got together with your friends and you watched... Bad reality shows and Grey's Anatomy. So once you start watching, it's hard to not watch because you get invested in the people. They choose someone from a prior season to be the new Bachelor or Bachelorette. So that's how you ended up getting sucked into it. Well, and I mean, early on, so I never, I didn't grow up watching The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Grey's Anatomy was a part of my teenage life, I will say. But, and so that's something we have in common. But I didn't grow up watching The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or that franchise at all. And so when we started dating and you told me you watched it, I kind of laughed and then was like, oh, you're serious. And was like, (laughs) I've... (laughs) I may have lost some respect for you Uh, 
And then we, you know, I, then I started watching it with you, mostly with the express intention of making fun of it. Right. And offering my snarky commentary. Right. Some of which I did on social media live. Uh-huh. And then over time, as you are kind of alluding to, I got more and more invested. Like you said, like they'll pull a contestant to like then become the bachelor or the bachelorette on the following season. There's like all kinds of dynamics at play. And like I still there still is the cheeky element for me of like poking fun at it because it is just absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there is some level of like investment in it that I feel and it's an, you know, an interesting cultural experience to watch play out and like how different people have different levels of I mean, we want Hannah Brown to find love. Yes, we do. That's the goal, really. I mean, cuz don't we all want to find love? Isn't that our hope? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Now, now you're rolling your eyes. Now, now I've lost you. I've gone too far. We do. I mean, we do all want to find love. I think what was so interesting, and so, you know, again, I'll I'll have us pause and, like, do a little catch-up moment for anybody who doesn't, who isn't familiar with the this franchise, but The Bachelor and The Bachelorette franchise basically are, you have, you have one individual who is hoping to find love, who's hoping to find their future spouse and you know the sh- the um season ends with the marriage proposal mm-hmm. and so um you know if it's the bachelor then the main person is a dude who is looking for love it's all been hetero so far um so on the bachelor it's a dude who's looking for love and starts out with like how many people like 25 to 25 to 30 people meets all of these people and like eliminates people every single week and is building relationships with people and then by the end the idea of like eliminating people becomes agonizing so at the beginning it's like you can't even keep everybody's name straight in your head and by the end it's like you've become so invested in each person and the bachelor or bachelorette's individual relationship with each person that you like hate to see them go and you have your favorite that you want them to end up with. And so for everybody um, on, you know, Hannah Brown season, the most recent bachelorette, we all wanted her to choose Tyler C. Um, She didn't. And it was devastating and everyone was upset about it. But I mean, I think the interesting thing about the bachelorette about this season of it was that there were there were like toxic people and there's always people that like you kind of like hate or you love to hate or whatever and uh, that's part yes. of the investment but like yeah. there was like a person there was a and I wanted to say a character this is a you know no but like he, so every now and then there's a character on reality TV that like should have been screened out by casting like this person is creepy this person is a predator yes and I guess, like, I, we probably could get sued if we, like, said his name and the word predator. But, like, people who watch the season will know who we're talking about where it's, like, so dominating, so manipulative. Like, all of the things that actually make the show great is by having a couple people like that, but where it, like, crosses the line. Absolutely. Into, like, yeah. But, yeah, because the – well, and a lot of it is, like, especially when it's The Bachelorette, so it's one woman who's trying to find her – heterosexual life mate in there's a just a bunch of dudes and there's all the weird gendered dynamics of like a bunch of dudes in competition with one another and it looks totally different when it's the bachelor and it's a bunch of women in competition with one another 
And that's, you know, its own thing is like thinking about the gender dynamics, especially of heterosexual relationships and how people are in competition with one another. But like in The Bachelorette, the dudes are always like trying to like be kind of like the guy who can like get really big and like intimidate other guys. And what was so interesting about this season is there there was this one character who had like who was displaying kind of abusive behavior and like really and Hannah, the Bachelorette, was not seeing it. Yeah. And people who were watching it were having this like and you know going to like Bachelorette Nation Twitter is not like <laughs> normally the place I would want to go. <laughs> but going in there and seeing how people were like Hannah like this is scary. Like and having real conversations about being like there you know when somebody is this possessive yeah. and is gaslighting you. Yeah. And like people that was like a real and I remember talking to you about this, babe, like how I was like, it actually is really meaningful to me to see that like, this is like a mainstream conversation happening with people who are like just watching The Bachelorette hmm. and are like, wow, like it's really upsetting to see someone we are invested in and care about be manipulated. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then you had the foil of hot bod Tyler C, who also was like, kind of like a feminist straight dude. Yeah, in this show and very much was like, you know, Mm -hmm. in all these conversations where these dudes were, you know, being jealous and possessive and whatever. He was like, listen, she can do whatever she wants. She's her own woman, like want her to be independent. Um, And it just like and in many other ways, too. But like for him to have that to be that foil to a, (laughs) a contestant that was like such a shitty, scary dude and like displayed so many so many traits and characteristics and behaviors of just like toxic masculinity. Yeah. All wrapped up in some pretty extreme Jesusisms. Oh boy. Um, so yeah. There was, like, I forgot. Oh my God. And, and like, so like, but I forgot props about to that. like Hannah Brown. Cause at the beginning of the season, I thought like, Oh, she's so weird. She's kind of quirky. Like the beast. She had this thing where she was like, Hannah the Beast, which didn't make sense because she's like the small Miss America pageant girl from Alabama. But um, but yeah, it was like where her her rage would come out, yeah. and she would say that the Beast stood for Beast, and she would like do this like fake growl scream thing, and it kind of like was like her quirky silly thing. It was kind of yeah, yeah it was kind of odd. Uh, it was like her superhero pose, but like a weird one. Oh, interesting. And anyway, and but like by the end of it, like she was using that strength and that beast mode to like say a lot, speak a lot of truths, that's and right. to stand for something, oh my and God, to stand that's for right. woman power. <gasps> and it was really kind of a magical like arc to it, which you don't usually get from a bachelor uh, season. Well, and what you also just made you me have remember. like forgot about everything that happened. Yes. Okay. So if y'all could see my face, I just like as Laura's talking, I'm like lighting up with like shit I'm remembering. Well, because so you know Hannah B. So every every contestant like who is the bachelor or the bachelorette was a, con- a contestant on a previous season at least every time i've seen it i don't know if it's like if this is we're many seasons into this franchise so i don't know 30 seasons in jesus christ but like so hannah was before she was the bachelorette she was a contestant to marry a bachelor colton mm-hmm. she didn't end up getting to marry colton obviously but she, um, so, so that's why she carried over into her own season. But it was a big deal in her episode with Colton because she shared openly about how she, like, 
had sex before she was married and then she like felt regretful about it but she like it because the whole thing with Colton the guy that she was trying to like compete to marry was that he was a virgin that was like his whole thing was like he was the virgin bachelor yeah it was very so it was a lot of weird fetishized stuff around virginity and like and she was sharing about her own faith and her journey with her faith and like being okay with the fact that she'd had sex before marriage and whatever. And so that was like part of her story arc. And then when she came on to be the bachelorette, it was like all about her kind of owning her sexuality. And like, she basically got to be like some of her like iconic moments in her season were her being like, yeah, I fucked a guy in a windmill and Jesus still loves me. Mm -hmm. Like, Truly, but <laughs> snaps for that, right? But actually, like, really amazing, you know, portrayal of like, and like, way to like highlight and lift up somebody who's like owning female sexuality and like proud of her. Oh, our cat is coming to join in on the fun, like, owning her sexuality and being proud of it, and also being able to like hold that in concert with her her faith, which is just something that you so often don't see. And then that this shitty dude was trying to be like, if you ever had sex with anyone else, then I just can't be with you. I'd be really disappointed in you. And that's basically, she was like, shut it down. Well, I mean, the weird thing about the season of The Bachelor, and I realize we're not here just to talk about The Bachelor, but like, the... this is it's really something that's been unspoken that has finally become spoken. I mean, this was the first season that they provided condoms on in the fantasy suite. They hadn't like provided them before. The apparently. fantasy the fantasy suite being a place that they get to go toward the end of the like after you've made it to a certain level, there's like a it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's a fantasy suite. If you'd like to have sex, that's the time to do it. Yeah, but like like all of that has been an undertone. And to, for them to make it explicit is so new this season and for it to be out there. And really The Bachelor and Bachelorette has kind of been like co-opted by religion in some ways. And it's got, I feel like past seasons didn't have so much conversation around Christianity. And maybe that's just my bias that I'm into that topic, but like for them to like be playing out these dynamics, like sexual ethics is kind of surprising. No, totally. But it's, it's fascinating because it is such a microcosm of America, right? Because there's this like whole thing about sex. There's this whole thing about religion. And then every fucking aspect of that show is monetized. I mean, that's the amazing thing about the bachelor in comparison to some of these other shows that we'll talk about Yeah, is like, all of them have million plus followers. Like yes. if you're like one of the more central characters on a show, you are going to have a huge Instagram presence. You're going to have SpawnCon. You're going to come out and you're going to date models. Like yeah. it really like levels you up into a celebrity that is, I feel like unique in, in this brand of reality show. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean like, yeah, The Bachelor franchise is like the gold standard of love competition reality shows and so I think that's like and in some ways that means it's the most conservative like they've only totally had a queer person on Demi oh that's right through that story in Bachelor in Paradise which is kind of an offshoot um, oh my different God. version of the franchise. I forgot about Demi. You were Jesus. just thinking about all of the key stuff. Clearly, I can't hold good information in my head for that long because that shit wasn't that long ago. No, that was this like, was like um, three months ago, babe. 
But that was like a yeah, you're right. That was a big deal. She was on she was on Colton season with Hannah B. They were friends, and then she went on Bachelor in Paradise, and then she she brought her girlfriend she, on. Yeah, she and now up, they're engaged, and her girlfriend's like a pastor or something. Like we're Christian queers are everywhere. That's all I'm saying. Yes, we are. Uh huh. Um, but then like, I mean, I think what's also interesting too is like. You're exactly right. There's what are you smiling I'm at me for? Um, there's yeah. It's just it is because it's more mainstream. It is more conservative. Whereas you have like an "Are you the one?" Yes, which is funny because people in my universe largely got into it this past season because it was the queer season. But like that's been around, that show's been around for a while. Yep. But it got really popular this season in the queer universe because so are you the one is the basic concept of it is that it's you know um, you know a number of people in a house like I I don't remember what the number is but let's say it's like eight guys eight girls in a house and the idea is they've been extensively excuse me AJ they're not houses they're villas. Oh, I'm so sorry. Wow, shit. Or mansions. Please forgive okay? me. <laughs> we can't just have a house. No. That's bullshit. Um, so they're villas, correct, uh-huh. mansions. And there are eight, eight women, eight men, heterosexual. And again, assumption is hetero unless I say otherwise because that's what is true in mainstream um, cool. love competition shows. Uh-huh. Um, I would not say in mainstream culture that that's true. I, in, in my day-to-day life, I assume everyone is queer unless they prove to me otherwise. So <laughs> there's that. But no, so are you the one, eight women, eight men, straight in a villa? And the idea behind are you the one is that people, the people on this show, quote, suck at dating. So they have mm-hmm. had negative dating experiences, like can't figure this shit out. They get in-depth interviewed by like experts, psychologists, therapists, blah, blah, blah. Their exes get interviewed. Their family and friends get interviewed. They meet with a matchmaker. It's like, pause. I want to be part of these interviews. What yes. does that look like? Oh, d- so deeply. Sign me up. And we've already talked about my future career path in this, in this universe. Yes, we'll yes. talk about that when we get to Temptation Island. Mm-hmm. But so for, you know, for Are You the One, it's after they've done all this like information overload they they basically determine who your ideal mate is and they ma- they like match you and you don't know this but your ideal mate is in the house with you so there are eight men eight women and there there are matches there are eight matches but you don't know going into the house and so this whole experience is that you are supposed to find the person in the house of these eight people of the other gender um who is your perfect match. Mm. And they have kind of like challenges and games and like sessions with like a relationship expert therapist person to like help you along to kind of figure this out. And then also there's lots of, you know, alcohol fueled parties and sex (laughs) ragers. It's a rave. (laughs) And so there's glow sticks everywhere. There's that. But the idea is that then, you know, every episode they sit you down and you have to make a guess about who your match is. And you sit kind of in in the configuration with your match. And so you make eight matches. And then there's this very dramatic sequence where like beams of light come on and there is a beam of light for every correct match. And so you do this over and over again 
and there are, you know, different ways that they'll help you determine who your, you know, who your perfect match is. But the idea is by the end of the series, you have to figure out, you have a certain number of weeks to figure out all eight perfect matches. And if you can figure out all eight perfect matches, then you collectively win a million dollars. Yep. Yep. And so there's that. So there's like a strategy element to it. There's a like drama intensity of like, you know, dating with and sleeping with people in the house and like, you know, unpacking all of your personal shit. And so there's that. And this show's been around for a while. But this season... It's the queers. It's the queers. So everyone in the house is like attracted to all genders, I think was the way that they framed it. So like... Sexually fluid. Sexually fluid. And they kept referring to the sexually fluid community, which is like... I I think we have to start the sexually fluid community center. That's like our uh, mandate now. I think it's just... And listen, this is the thing. If anybody's listening to this and you're like, I strongly identify with being sexually fluid, and that's like the word you use to describe your identity, that's rad. I support you. But like at the end of every episode, they were like, if you want to support the sexually fluid community, and I was like, is that is there a community that calls themselves the sexually fluid community? There is now. I guess so. Anyway... Because I was like, oh, the queer community, the LGBTQ community, like whatever. Uh No, absolutely. It's the sexually fluid community. So the sexually fluid community, everyone on the show, 16 people, everyone's attracted to any gender, regardless of gender. So anyone could be anyone's match. So one, it's way more appealing to queer people because this is like more queer representation than we've ever seen on any show, Uh let alone this kind of like dating reality show mm-hmm. and two it's it's harder like strategically like this is harder because you go from having eight people who could be your match to having 15 people who could be your match mm-hmm. and so like every queer person I know pretty much who like watches television was watching the show mm. and it was like people were so invested in it we got really into it like I like you know, there there was like a, there were whole entire blogs dedicated to like the math and strategy behind the show because it's like I mean that's the weird thing about the show is that there is like the love and follow your heart and get to know yourself portion, but when it really comes down to it and winning the money, you're you're playing a math game. Yes. Like, and it's totally like shit. I don't know how to do like how many spaces times this. How many options are there in each seat? Like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so this show, I mean, it was really wild, but I got to say, it was like, for me, it was really validating and like refreshing to see all of these queer people and to see queer people who looked all kinds of different ways. I mean, it was like, it was pretty... Except there were no fat people. That's, oh my God, you're totally right about that. And usually that's something that I feel like I'm as a like as as a fucking fat person like <laughs> as part of the Junker family no i mean the, yeah there was all kinds of people except fat people that's and right. really ugly people in general well i mean I, yes everyone was still i it's mean still television despite being i mean it was like a very like there was there was some racial diversity there was some gender diversity there like in terms of like gender identity and expression there was not age diversity. I think everybody was between like 21 and 20, maybe 25 on the older end. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, everyone was kind of still like model beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it was, I mean, it was a fascinating show. We got deeply invested in it. And it was so interesting. I mean, to see how, I also just think like to see how queer people are like uniquely vulnerable with one another and like support each other in a way that I felt like, I felt like everything I was seeing felt affirming to what I've experienced in real life. Mm. Um, There was also high key drama. Oh my God. But again, also felt uh-huh. <laughs> very aligned with how I've experienced a lot of my own queer relationships and friendships in real life. Truth. But so that's, I mean, that show also has, but it does have kind of like this cult following of people who've watched it from the very beginning. I, you know, and this is, that is a crew that I, one, I'm like interested in them more on social media because it's queer people like yep. me. But, um, and they all are like still have remained friends in like small pockets outside of the show. And so I think that is. But it's really a show where they made disastrous choices, most of them. Yes. And they only got, got lucky that they finally figured it out in the end. Oh, and no one thought they were going to either. I'm going to have to make a little note on this episode that we've got some major spoilies if anybody was, is like oh, yeah. <laughs> trying Sorry. not to have. No, I mean, it, the show is not like live happening. It's not like it aired yesterday. <laughs> um. So, I mean, that's Are You The One. But do you want to get into, like, the concerns about Are You The One and how they treated queer people and creating Dr. Frankie and all of that? Are you not remembering what? this? Oh, my God. What? Well, hold on. We have to cut. We needed to take a little pause to hear from our sponsor, but I'm really excited to hear all of this information I've forgotten about great, great, in great. just a second. Great, great, great. Okay, so tell me what concerns you have about Are well, You The One. Well, okay, so... I haven't watched previous seasons because Nor have I, I. I, you know, grew up not being allowed to watch MTV or VH1, whatever channel it's on. Um, yes, and I can't, I couldn't even tell you which one it's on. <laughs> God damn it! Because <laughs> we watch it from the app on our on, <laughs> on our, our television on our TV. Um, but I've heard from people who have watched the show for many years from my, you know, crappy television community that. Um, in previous years, they did not have this role of Dr. Frankie. So they had this person who came on as like the life coach, the group facilitator to have these kind of like growth moments. Like they'd all would sit on like very trendy looking chairs and they'd all talk out like what had been going on and all of the drama. And then she would give them these like really coachy language. And she like really, I mean, she looked hip. Dr. Frankie. Super hip. It was like a female presenting person whose name is Frankie. So even that is trendy. But we were, I mean, and this was the person, this is one of the people that I'm like, oh, is this part of my future career trajectory? Yes. This is, this is the hope for this <laughs> life coaching business, babe, is that you become Dr. Frankie and we get to go stay in a villa of our own adjacent to villas where shit is going down. Amazing. That's my, my goal. Anyway, let's, we're going to manifest the shit out of that one, y'all. Let's work on it. But anyway, 2020. I, I have friends who feel like doing this and, and, and was like creating an assumption that queers like couldn't handle it or couldn't figure it out or they needed this extra support. And I guess they changed some of the rules and like, you know, obviously it's a bigger challenge, like mathematically for them to get all of the matches, but, and it's probably just a general improvement to have a life coach on the show, but are you treating it differently because they're queers? That was the question. Interesting. And I mean, I think like, so 
so you're saying, and I had totally forgotten about this, but it's like coming back to me slightly. So they didn't have this like coach facilitator person at all in the previous seasons. Correct. Because I think like, so what's interesting, if it's okay with you, for me to start talking about Temptation Island. Temptation Island. <laughs> you just have to say it with some intensity. Temptation Island. Oh, you gotta lick your lip while you say it. I don't. No, I won't lick my lip. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. So, Temptation Island, I mean, I think part of why it's so interesting is Temptation Island has this this same kind of like coach, Mm -hmm. you know, facilitator figure Mm -hmm. that really pushes people. And, like, I think, you know, Dr. Frankie and Are You the One didn't do this quite as much as. Mark. This do- Mark mm-hmm. in um, Temptation Island, but he like really, really will push people on stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, so Temptation Island for anybody we who can't spoil mm, it, we won't spoil anything. Yeah, but as a concept, Temptation Island is. I mean, the title pretty much tells you everything you need to know. But it basically is this. It, the format is that couples who are already couples come to the show, and it's. Every season appears to be, we've only seen, there are two seasons from 2019. One is still like actively in progress right now as we record this in December. Oh my God, it's December. December 2019. Mm -hmm. But there are two seasons of the like rebooted series in 2019. And then there are three seasons that happened between 2001 and 2003. So a Mm -hmm. long time ago. But the format of the show is that there are four couples they come to Temptation Island because they are at a crossroads in their own relationship. A crossroads. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> a crossroads. And so they, um, they come to this island where, and again, all we've seen is hetero relationships, but where the men and the women are split up. And so the couples are split up. The men live in one villa mm-hmm. called The Guy's Villa. Fancy title. And the women live in another villa called the girl's villa, uh-huh. and in the guy's villa, where the four male halves of the couples live, there are 12 single women. Oh, all the single ladies. I just want to let that hang there for a second. Thanks for that. And then in the, in the girl's villa, there are, with the four women who are competing in the show or whatever, participating, there are 12 single men. And... Basically, there are all kinds of scenarios that they're put in where they are tempted, quote, tempted, to, to cheat, basically, to yeah. whatever, whatever that means to them. And so some couples approach this with a, like, you cheated on me before and I don't trust you to not do it again. And if we're going to really be serious with each other, I need to know that you can be plunged into the utmost temptation and not cheat on me or that you can keep your promise to me. So that's setting you up to fail. Yep. Or there's a, there's a couple who... Um, you know, goes on here and is like, we've only been together since we were 16 years old and now we're 25 and we're thinking about getting married, but like, we've never dated anybody else. So like, let's see if, you know, like what this is all about and try dating other people and see what we learn. Mm -hmm. And really what it sets you up to do is one, like test your willpower, I guess. And also really, you know, set yourself up for some serious anxiety and, and hurt and pain if you don't trust your partner. But it also unearths, you know, that if shit is wrong in your relationship and you try to go be in other relationships to distract you, that some of that same shit is likely going to be wrong in those relationships too. Because guess what the common denominator is? You. You. It's you. And so 
Um, but they have this, they have this, this guy, this host that really will like push them and ask them questions and like really, I mean like <laughs> Laura and I were watching an episode and she turned to me and she was like, wow, this guy really is like a coach. Like he's like asking coaching questions, which is exactly right. Like just pushing on stuff, reflecting back what he sees and helping people see things from a new new perspective. And I think this one's interesting because more than any other show, uh, like I see growth in people in the, in this show. Well, I feel like the show is fascinating because like they don't see their partner mm-hmm. for a month. Like they're completely uh, yes. separate. Important detail. And then once a week, there's something called the bonfire. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Where they each get shown like a 15 second clip maybe of the worst thing their partner did that quote week. quote worst and that's and that mark says every week when he shows it he says remember like you don't know what happened before after this you don't know the context and like imagine being the producer being like can we make this look as terrible as possible because that's literally what they do yes. like if if in the whole clip that we've probably seen earlier in an episode, yep. like they said a terrible thing and then they walked it back later, they do not show the walking it back. Yep. They just let like the terrible shit fly. Yep. Um, it's, so I there's mean, a lot of material to work with in this like isolation piece, in this like only seeing the negative aspects of your partner. Like, do you still remember the positive things or does seeing the negative things like, build for you with all the like complaints you had before you know like does it deepen your unrest in your relationship or do you find yourself like finding it where you still believe yeah and a month is a long time it is it is a month is a long time and it's it just really is amazing to see and then it's amazing to see how you think like the central characters are going to be like the eight people who are like coupled up and they're there to like fight for their relationships but really how the singles or the, you know, the 12 women, 12 men who are living in the villa whose function is kind of to like tempt the, the, you know, members of the couples that they also kind of develop dynamics with one another, that they develop kind of their own feelings and experiences of the people that they're there with. And that is also fascinating to see. And again, the ways that people just sort of play out some of their same relationship shit with the people that they're you know cheating on their significant other with or who they're you know trying to like navigate building some kind of relationship or quote connection they use the word connection a lot i just want to such a romantic i just want to i just want to really explore my connection with you i just feel like we have a connection it just means that my dick gets hard when i see (laughs) yes well you know? Too inappropriate. No, for some, <laughs> I mean, all of my episodes I get to mark as explicit because it's me talking in them. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, this one maybe borders on a little more explicit than usual, but that's okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I mean, what I also want to do here is um, turn to Instagram because I had um, I gave folks the option to kind of write in questions to us or topics that they wanted us to talk about. And so I'm going to pull up some of those. So um, let's see. Someone asked, you know, if we would talk about why our culture normalizes toxicity. So Mm -hmm. jealousy and codependence Mm -hmm. in relationships. So why do we view 
jealousy and codependence as being so normal in relationships. Oh, we view them as normal? I mean, so here's the thing, like, about these shows is that they have to be good TV, right? Sure. And, like, jealousy sparks so much conflict. And really, this is just about pretty people either having sex or being in, like, over-dramatized conflict. <laughs> I mean, that's the weird thing about Temptation Island is that, like, there's, like, this human growth piece that's, like, deep and meaningful. Now, granted, we haven't seen a series finale, so we don't know if any of them stay together or not. Yes, we literally we couldn't tell you. But, like, there seems to be all of this, like, self-actualization as part of the process, which is not normal. Um, so it's, like, funny how they're, like, trying to understand their own jealousy or their own discontentment. And in, like, you know, The Bachelor, that just doesn't happen. They just get panic attacks and anxiety because they know that Instagram's going to hate them later for being stupid. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, like, what executives at ABC have decided makes good television and helps maintain an audience. And part of it is, like, people relate to those feelings and, like, yeah. to see them dramatize, like, to have our, like deep sadness or deep fears or whatever yeah like out there in the world where we're all watching it and makes us feel better about our us feel better about ourselves first yeah and then it like maybe helps us think through like our own problems you know totally like it's all selfish really and I mean I think what's I think what's interesting for me is like with jealousy and I mean I think why that's why that's normalized and why it feels like so many people struggle with it is because of this kind of like scarcity mindset that I think so many people live in. And there's this idea of like, and I mean this, you know, Temptation Island is like the really perfect example of this is like, and even are you the one a little bit in how people feel like they're coupled up with someone and then someone else steals them away or whatever is this idea of like, you know, and this is where I get really woo-woo into how I think about relationships, but like this idea that there is only one person out there for me. Mm-hmm. And if they have any kind of connection with somebody else that it threatens me, it threatens what I have. And like, I think that like monogamy can be healthy for people. It can absolutely. But I think the way we go into monogamy is to go so deep into our commitment to monogamy that like, it has to go hand in hand with this like toxic jealousy Mm. of like we can't be secure in our relationship. And it's like we'll be super jealous, but at the same time we can't we can't have the vulnerability to tell somebody that we care about them Mm. in like a significant or meaningful way. And like there's, you know, as we we see this play out with people on Temptation Island where it's kind of like this idea that, you know, like I shouldn't and Temptation Island is very much like gender stereotypes too, where like you see, um, you know, male contestants kind of being like, I don't like, I just feel like our relationship's fine. Like I shouldn't have to like tell you that I love you all the time. And then you see women like getting super empowered because they're like, oh, this is what it feels like to be like given, given attention and literally heard, given attention and affection and to be nurtured and to be pursued. And so when we think about this idea of jealousy, it's like, are we, yeah, are we jealous that we're going to like lose our partner? And then like, we actually, you know, we actually then are exposed to 
like a di- different possibility or a different scenario that like actually like makes us feel good. Mm. Mm. And I think, so I, I just think, I mean, I think those things are often in juxtaposition that we feel like we want to cling so tight to our partner, but it's like, but why though? Yeah. I think is the question. And like, it's the question that some of these shows really push on is like, but what is it that's drawing you to this person? And for so many people, getting jealous that somebody else might be interested in your partner isn't because you're not necessarily saying it because like, man, I just really, it's because I love you and because you make me feel beautiful and you make me feel appreciated and because we share values in common. It's like, because I don't want to be alone. Hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, I think it's so much of that. I think it's because I don't want to be alone and we can't actually even like necessarily always identify like what it actually is about that person. And so when you're in a situation where you're kind of forced out of that and then you see what other options are available to you, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, uh, a healthy version of jealousy is like protectiveness, you know, like I think to say like, this is my person and I want them to be with me is like a very vulnerable yet real aspect of love. And I think when we're not comfortable with that amount of vulnerability, we like act out Yes. The it to like the nth degree. Yes. So now I'm jealous and I'm controlling and I'm trying to manipulate a whole situation to yes. get an outcome. And I mean, and getting your partner to go on fucking Temptation Island is the most bizarre <laughs> decision, really. <laughs> like, don't go on reality television to fix your bad relationship. Like, number one, don't do it. That's you know? right. That's right. But I feel like all of these things, like, and codependency and whatever, it's just ways that we're coping with our vulnerability. That's right. And also, like, living in a hopelessness that we'll ever get what we really want. Yes. And yes. we have to... Oh, my God. That was such one, a beautiful way of saying what I felt like I was trying to say, but you said it seamlessly. And, so. like, we have to, one, like, sit in our vulnerability and learn how to, like, communicate that... Yes. ...in a way that can be received. And then we also have to be hopeful that, like we by doing that by sitting with our vulnerability we can find and build the life that we want yes and when those things are broken that's where you see all of the weird social dynamics that's right well and i mean i even think about so you know if we talk about are you the one there is a there was a relationship in the queer season of are you the one between two folks named jenna and kai oh i don't want to talk about kai I know this is one of our questions, but I just keep going. Someone asked for a hot take. My hot your, take is ugh. For your hot take on Kai. Kai. But basically, I mean, it's these two folks who have instant, like, very electric sexual chemistry and end up not being the match for each other, which you very much see why. But they have this, like, kind of, like, a addiction mentality toward like how they experience one another it's like they're like trying to like get a fix yeah. and there's like a I gotta take many trips to the boom boom room <laughs> yes boom boom I won't explain what the boom boom room I feel is like babe it's self-explanatory um, boom boom it's the room. same as the fantasy suite <laughs> um and they That's also had name they had condoms in it I believe uh-huh, I anyway so. but I mean, I think, yeah, the codependency, it's also what sucks you in. I mean, when all of this shit is to make money and get people to watch, 
that is what makes money and gets people to watch. Mm-hmm. And But I think, you know, we can do a disservice when we have that playing out and don't have somebody, like, some way that the conversation is facilitated or mitigated to, like, really, you know, unpack that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody else asked, why do we glorify people who are terrible to each other? I think one of one of the things you said, Laura, really stuck out to me, which is that, like, We see ourselves in this and maybe a more exaggerated version, but like we have all had moments where we've been terrible to another person in a relationship and maybe on like different, differing levels, but like we all have had moments where we haven't shown up as our best. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is something satisfying about like seeing yourself in that or seeing someone who, like you said, is like way worse. And so you're able to then be like, well, at least I'm not, (laughs) at least I'm not that guy. And I mean, sometimes they just say the thing that you always wish you had said to that one asshole. And it feels so satisfying to watch somebody else have that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Someone asked, does being in front of the camera affect the relationship negatively? It seems like it. Oh, yeah. Well, because I think it magnifies everything, right? Yeah. And then I, like, I just can't imagine it because I get so self-conscious like, being recorded or being watched, you know, like, I can't even have my webcam, like, up at work. Like, I have to hide it away so that I don't feel like I'm being watched. Like, it's just a lot to have a camera there. Mm. And I think you know that there are people going to watch. I mean, this is, like, in The Bachelor, like, we saw, I think it was Blake, have just, like, a full meltdown because he's, like, people are going to troll my family. They're going to troll me. They're going to hate me. Yeah. And it's terrifying. Yeah. But, like... Yeah, so I think the camera does make it worse. And I and, the, and if anything else, it just, like, deepens the vulnerability, right? Because yeah. you're putting yourself out there in a whole different way. Like, there's a whole added layer to, you know, imagine Temptation Island without a camera. Like, I, would you it can't. be worse? Would it be better? Like, it would be different, right? Totally. It would just be like, oh, you just know that your significant other is away with a bunch of single people for a month without you. And then at the end, you have to decide whether to trust what they've said is true or not. Yeah. Which is its own different different level of like... but the, And this is my thing. And this is my thing about this show. And like you all have heard me say this. Mm-hmm. It grinds my gears like nobody's business. This idea of like, <clears throat> I don't trust this person, but I'm still in a relationship with them. Yeah. And I said this to you the other night that like the thing that just blows my mind and I say this knowing full well, like I have been in a relationship that is beyond unhealthy, that is abusive, that is toxic, that is like emotionally and mentally manipulative. And so like I get it. Mm-hmm. But barring like aside from that, like this is the, so those are not the scenarios I'm talking about and what I'm about to say, <clears throat> but it still is mind blowing to me that like. And, and something, a realization that I had, and I think I had it after that relationship was over. But, like, we can decide at literally any moment to not be in a relationship anymore. Mm-hmm. Our, our participation in a relationship is revocable at any second in time. We can say, I am going to put down my tennis racket and walk off the fucking court and I don't want to play with you anymore, and I don't have to. And there is no conversation required. There is no explanation. You do not owe that person shit. And do we, you know, is being a good human, does that mean, like, 
giving it the old college try and having to talk with somebody when like something's not working for you? Sure. Like, do we put in five years with someone and feel like, oh, maybe I don't want to be in this relationship anymore, but like, it's probably not a good idea to just move out all my shit and never speak to them again? Sure. But when people are like, "Mm, like I've been unhappy with this person for seven years and I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. And I know that they're, if I let them go into this house where they're being videotyped and we're on national television, that they're going to fuck somebody else, even though we agreed that they wouldn't. Yeah. Why? That's what I have to say about that is just literally why waste your time being in a relationship with someone when you do not trust them. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting. Like another thing about these shows is you're so isolated. Like you're on a schedule with when you can talk to your family. You don't really have access to like outside information sometimes on these shows. Like you don't watch the news because they don't want you to see stories about you because sometimes they're like filming the show while it's also starting to be like made public and you know it's it was funny to me like nobody's on their phone you know like I'm on my phone 24 7 there's not a time when my phone is out of my hand right except right now weirdly yeah but I'm like they're all these people are not on phones like they just have to sit with themselves yeah and like and then they party at night but they wake up the next morning and they have to like it's so alienating. It's like such a different way of life. And your whole, your only job in this context is to date. Your only job is to figure out your love life. I'm like, that's not, that's not how it works in the real life. You have your job, you have your friends, you have to like feed yourself and like they cook, but like they're not going to the store to pick up groceries. Yeah. You know, like it's just, there's another element of it too. That makes it worse. It's just like, you're completely in yourself. You're completely in your own yeah. world. And I feel like sometimes that's what it, people need is to be like in a jarring experience. And granted, a reality TV show is the most jarring experience. But I think we have so many distractions in life. I think people end up in these relationships going on forever with people they don't trust because they're not willing to sit with themselves and realize that something has to change. You know, mm-hmm. and it's a drastic choice to change it via Temptation Island. But like, that's the thing is that like, you have to come to a place where you're willing to sit in it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And to come to that realization is painful. Mm-hmm. Which we, the, the why, why they cry so much. There's a lot of crying on all of these shows pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so much of why people are so drawn to this, right? Is because it, this shit is so dramatic. It's so over the top. Like a lot of it feels really fake and is probably really fake, but like it lets us have like a cathartic experience about, you know, we see ourselves in these people mm-hmm. is ultimately what it is. We see ourselves in them mm-hmm. and in their struggles. Mm-hmm. And in what they're going through. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I did try to watch Love Island, which is the UK love romance show. And there's just yes. too many episodes in that bullshit, and I just couldn't get through it. But I think Chrissy Teigen watched it all, so follow her for so, updates. Search I was Love Island say, in her feed. So that mean, that probably means we should... I mean, just to be, stay culturally relevant, it feels like we should probably. No, it's not worth it. 
it's, it's too much. And they like, well, that's a whole nother thing. No. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole nother episode. Yeah. Uh-uh. Well, thank you for, you know, joining us on the podcast and sharing your expertise on on love competitions. I know that folks were were eager to hear from you, so I'm really glad that it could be on one of your favorite topics of all time. Mm-hmm. This is the premium content I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs>Thank you so much for listening to this episode if you loved it please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform leave a rating or a review and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one i love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson, and I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old-fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.